This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Sarah. This is Jenna. We're from Name Their Songs, and today we're getting candid with Susanna Joffe. Hi, we're back, and you're listening to Getting Candid with Name Three Songs. And this week, instead of fangirl nonsense, we have some record industry nonsense to discuss with y'all because the record label Universal Music Group is being kind of nonsense. They're being crazy. They're being wackadoodles under the guise of caring for their artists. In my personal opinion, they have decided to no longer work directly with TikTok and allow their artists music to be used on the app. They're saying that it is because TikTok is paying these artists unfairly and that it has to do with AI and the ways in which songs can be used that aren't the original versions of the songs. I would say that they just care personally about their money that they're making because, I mean, if you know anything about record deals, artists are already not really getting paid fairly for the art that they're creating. So I don't really see how TikTok is negatively affecting them that much when, you know, covers and mashups and sped up versions of songs get these artists so many new views and so many new ears and eyes on them regardless of if they're the ones that are posting it and I just feel like right now especially when for all artists TikTok has been pushed as like oh like this is what you need to do to succeed right but especially newer artists or artists who have been recently signed and the artists who use UMG as like their distribution service and aren't even signed to the label Like they're being controlled by people who honestly probably don't even think about them that much because they're either not signed or so new to the label that like the label doesn't even know if they were if they're worth anything. yet. I mean, yeah. And the point there is that labels, record labels, since TikTok has been a thing in our lives, record labels are like, oh, you have to like show us your ROI. You have to show us that you can have followers. You have to show us that you can go viral. Even like artists like Halsey going on saying like, my label's not going to let me release this unless this song goes viral on TikTok. It's like, you're dangling this carrot in front of artists being like, if you just do this, we'll love you and let you do what you want, which is not true. And then they're literally revoking that. They're literally taking away all the work these artists have done over the last three years to build themselves a platform on TikTok that like, no artist wants to be doing everyone we talk to hates it (laughs) and record labels force them to do it and now they're like just kidding like what but also on top of all that it's like nothing is stopping me based off of what they've done nothing is stopping me from going and uploading a sped up version of one of their songs like they're not going to take that down they're taking down the official sound from the artists so they're just shooting the artist in the foot because like I checked today, Murder on the Dance Floor, gone. Sped up Murder on the Dance Floor, uploaded by Joe Schmo, still available. Oh my God. And it's like, so who is this helping in the long run? Like, what is the point that's trying to be made? I think the TikTok issue is really just like, it's literally just all negotiations. Like, it's like, well, it's an ultimatum. It's like, if you're not going to comply with what we want, then we're not going to work with you. So I do think that eventually this will be remedied. If that is in a week, if that is in two weeks, if that is in two months, who is to say? I don't think UMG can do this forever. I literally think it's just a play to get TikTok to get their needs met. 
because this is just hurting so many artists on so many very different levels mm-hmm. that it feels it feels illegal like it feels <laughs> illegal for them like not actually not like government illegal but like it feels like theoretically like they shouldn't be allowed to yeah. revoke that resource from artists yeah it feels like a power play towards tiktok but also in some weird way it feels like they're doing they're playing some sort of power move on their artists too and i'm like what's the point of this like i don't yeah. i just it's don't not helping anyone yeah it's not helping anybody and if anything it's going to make artists feel even more anti-tiktok than they already felt and that also helps no one. And now we're getting candid with Susanna Joffe. She's a Austin, Texas native, just like myself, and she's now living in New York City. Her EP just dropped on February 2nd, and it sees her blending elements of indie rock, lo-fi, and country songwriting. Not only that, she's racked up millions of streams as an independent artist and has been featured on playlists like Spotify's Lorem, Undercuts, and All New Indie. So we're getting candid with Susanna about how she gained the confidence to become the most authentic version of herself, how both living in Austin and New York are shaping her artistry and the importance of building a visual world around her music. So with all that being said, let's go get candid with Susanna. Hi, Susanna. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So this is an exciting time for you because you have an EP coming out as of February 2nd. And so for you, reflecting on this project and this body of work, how does this feel different from the music that you've created before? I think it's so different in like almost too many ways to say. I think not to be like self-deprecating, but I really feel like with the music I was putting out before, I just had no idea what kind of artist I wanted to be like. Even as a listener, I was still figuring out what kind of music I liked and felt inspired by. Mm -hmm. And I feel like since moving from Texas to New York, I've just been exposed to like a whole other world of, of art and inspiration. And it has definitely changed my taste and my artistic expression a lot. And with that, I think this next project is a lot more true to the kind of music that I want to be making. And I'm still developing mm-hmm. so much as an artist, like even the music that I'm planning on releasing after the EP is is still growing and changing. Yeah. But I think that you can hear in the EP itself, like from track to track, you can kind of like hear my journey from Austin to New York and see the growth through the songs, which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I really love the project so we have talked to a couple of artists based in new york at this point on the show and it's been really interesting hearing like how new york city inspires people in this way and like i'm from here and i always have felt like it's very much like a city that's alive and it kind of like chooses who it's gonna welcome and chooses who it doesn't kind of thing but it's like really interesting to like hear artists perspectives of this and like also coming from austin which is like another known music city like how do you feel like new york has influenced you in a different way than Austin did. I, I want to preface by saying like I grew up in Austin. Like I've lived yeah. in Austin since I was four years old. So I think when you grow up there, it's such a small city. So every at mm-hmm. least for me, everything I was doing, I felt like I was being judged. Like I was just so scared of being judged by my peers, by like the kids I went to high school with, like mm-hmm. the kids I went to Hebrew school with, the kids that I did summer camp with, like all the, all of this stuff. So I feel like I couldn't just express myself and kind of like let my freak fly in the way that I (laughs) wanted to yeah and in college when I first started college I just felt super like I start I was in Greek life for a year in college I was yeah very (laughs) different vibe than I am now and I was just really caught up in 
in appearances, I guess, and like trying to fit into this world yeah. that mm-hmm. I really did not fit in. And I think that I kind of had to move to New York because I just felt there was so much more in me that I wasn't really letting out just because yeah. of I was like just so caught up in this Texas yeah. world um yeah. and that's not to say like there is such an amazing diy indie rock scene in austin but i think by the mm-hmm. time that i realized like oh wait that's something i want to be a part of i was kind of like already on my way out like i had already yeah. it was like senior year of college and i was like i think i'm ready to move on and be challenged yeah. and whatnot and moving to new york is like was so scary but the best decision i've ever made for me personally <laughs> and for my career yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I even identify with that of feeling like growing up, like, well, these, are, this is how people know me. And if I present differently, like feeling like you're going to be judged or something. And so I think, you know, moving to a place like New York, it, it, for a lot of people who go there, it feels like this city of possibilities. And it's like, I feel like it's a freeing feeling of, it's almost like you can reinvent yourself because nobody really knows you. And so all yes. the things that maybe you were <laughs> feeling inside now, you're not afraid to like express. No, literally, you hit the nail on the head. Like, there is a sense of anonymity in New York that Mm -hmm. I craved so much in Austin. And I mean, yeah, I I just think I've grown so much as an artist because I feel so much more free to just do whatever comes to mind. It has been the greatest joy this past Mm -hmm. year. That's amazing. And I feel like you can kind of tell that when you look at like your Instagram and your like social media and your visual journey as an artist as well, because it's like you definitely really honed in on like the visual aspect. And I know like you studied film at school, so I'm sure that that has something to do with it. But also I'm sure like this opportunity to like explore yourself without the fear of everybody, you know, growing up, like actually being able to watch it happen in real time because you're somewhere else must have had a big hand in that yeah totally I mean when like if you look at my videos when I was like living in Austin like my photo shoots everything they were all kind of centered around being perceived as like attractive and yeah Mm -hmm. like cool versus now I think like I've gotten more involved in the DIY scene in New York and I've seen so many things that like I just wasn't seeing at shows in Austin or just mm-hmm. walking outside my apartment and seeing outfits that I just didn't see in Texas yeah. now I'm like oh yeah I can I can try all of this like and I could not care less about being deemed attractive to strangers yeah yeah as far as like you kind of exploring these different visual aspects do you feel like there was a moment when things kind of clicked in your brain as far as like, this feels really right with like how I'm representing myself as an artist? Yeah, I actually do. I'd gone to New York and I'd been there for like a few months and I sat down and was like thinking about all my favorite artists and just, I've always been a really visual person my entire life. And I just feel like that part of my life had been kind of missing like I had missed doing photo shoots with my friends and like making art with my hands and all that and so I sat down and just spent a few hours making a Pinterest board of like all the different artists I feel inspired by and also of all the different components of my identity that I think are important to me and so it was a lot of Mm -hmm. southern references like I would go camping West Texas every year so it was a lot of like deserty tones sunset tones that kind of landscape and scenery and Mm -hmm. then I've just always loved dressing up and like my entire life if you stalk me when I was like a kid you stalk me on the internet there's like these insane photo shoots that my friends and I used to do where we look like insane 
And mm. so I found a lot of wild drag inspired and punk inspired club kid inspired looks on Pinterest. And I was like, how do I kind of fuse this like queer expression, this Southern part of me into yeah. this one artistic persona? And I think that's something I'm still figuring out, but I think it has been so fulfilling and so fun. And yeah, it's it's just so fun to play with identity in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like, it's kind of interesting, you know, you're saying like you moved away from Texas, you feel like you kind of were able to explore new avenues with your artistry, but at the same time, it's like, you still have those Texas roots. And even if we all have a love hate relationship with our feelings about <laughs> Texas, like there is still that part of you that kind of like influenced you growing up and you almost want to, I, I mean, I see it clearly like in your imagery, like bringing in that influence as well. Yeah. And I think also I for so long was like wanted to distance myself from sounding like I'm from Texas, like having yeah. any kind of like Southern or country influences sound wise. And I think with the newer stuff that I'm working on right now for music post this EP, I'm definitely kind of letting myself bring that back. I'm like, why fight? Why fight yeah. against it? It's a part of me. And that has been really fun too. It's kind of like I'm embracing the South, but on my terms as like a queer person. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's that's really interesting because I feel like there are so many people like if you he read about artists journeys to like self-discovery during, you know, their rise to fame and success or whatever of like hiding parts of themselves because they're like, OK, like I need to be perceived in like whatever way it was, whether it be like back in the day of people just like hiding the fact that they're queer, or, like hiding where they came from or their background or whatever it is. And so I think it's just really, I don't know, like, it's, it's really beautiful, really, that you are like, okay, now I'm at this point where I like understand who I am more. And I can really tap into those pieces of me that before I was kind of like, oh, the only way to be taken seriously is to avoid not them. do that. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, people just naturally gravitate towards authenticity. Yeah. And I think the music I was making when I was living in Austin and was kind of just trying to make stuff that appealed to everyone and you know just wanted to be liked I think it wasn't good like I I, I hate all the music that I put out before I moved to New York mm -hmm. honestly like that I put out up until this EP mm -hmm. and I think that's because I just I wasn't committed to just being authentic and yeah. I think, yeah. you know like my career has grown a lot in over the last like eight months and I think that's yeah. just mm -hmm. a result of me being real with myself yeah. Yeah. I think there's also this aspect. I mean, Sarah and I have thought deeply about this, but for musicians, like especially when you're starting out, it's really hard to balance like school or like having a job and like also being a musician. And I think so many people get really caught up in like feeling like being a musician is like their side hustle or just like their hobby or they just like cosplay on the weekends. And like for you, like for well, for me, watching you like on social media, it feels like you're in an era where you've like fully stepped into like I am a musician like this is who I am like fully expressing yourself and I like that's like really amazing to see but I'm wondering if you also feel the same way yeah I mean I've had a lot of people that will like dm me and be like hey like do you have any advice for someone who like wants to start making music and wants to be a musician and I think it's so true that like if you just like sell the idea that like you are a musician 
Like that is what you're doing. That is your job. That is your place in this world right now. Like people are going to take you seriously. If you take yourself Mm -hmm. seriously, people will do the same. And I think at first it's kind of embarrassing to like, yeah, oh, I have a song coming out and and be like selling yourself when it's like no one's listening to you. Like it's super Mm -hmm. humbling and awkward. And I think I just was like, I, you just gotta, like, you just gotta send it. You just have to dive head first because it's, you know, everyone says like, oh, I wish I hadn't been so embarrassed in 2020 and posted like stupid dancing TikToks. Now those people (laughs) are like millionaires and it's like the same thing. It's like, if this is what I want to do, like, I have to take myself seriously because if I'm not, like, how is anyone else supposed to? Yeah, Yeah, because it's like, how do fans know that you are making music or putting stuff out there if you're not posting about it. And I think like you see nowadays also like there is so much anxiety when it comes to like TikTok and Instagram and social media and being perceived in that way of like somebody who wants attention. Yeah. Because I feel like prior to social media, like when people would promote their music, even like when it was just like Facebook and MySpace kind of stuff, like it felt more like a billboard rather than just like, oh, I'm trying to get attention, which I think is like a lot of people's preconceived ideas of like anybody who's sharing their thoughts on Instagram or TikTok. But I feel like for fans, it's like if you're not posting and you're not active and you don't feel like a musician to them all the time, it's just like, who are you? Why do I care? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, people, I think kind of and I'm like, I'm included when I say this, like, I think audiences need to be told what to care about and need to be reassured that they're like investing their time and energy into the right thing so it's like if I don't seem like I'm giving my all to this like why would you you know yeah Yeah. no I 100% agree and like so okay so I feel like you're very much in this like different headspace and like how you're operating right now and I know like for um this might differ for like you as a personal experience just like have coming from Austin But do you feel like there's a glass ceiling for musicians in Austin? Yes. Here's what I think about the Austin music scene. I just think that in terms of music, there's so much talent there, but there's no industry there. And so Mm. there's kind of like really limited growth that can happen. And it's such a small, I mean, it's such a small city. It is such a small city, which I didn't even realize until I moved here. Like I thought Austin was was the same size as every major city in the U.S. It's like a tenth of the size. I know. It's like humbling once you leave. It's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) And so it's like, there's only so many people you can collaborate with, so many people you can play shows with. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think there's bands that, are still in Austin that are killing it more than I am and and are like so successful and so incredible but I just think in general it is kind of hard to to come to fruition as an artist or like break as an artist my personal opinion is that like going to a place like New York it's like so many people move there to like chase big dreams and I think just being around that culture of people who are also like achieving like reaching for like these like crazy wild dreams and trying to make them a reality is like a very different energy to me than like again people in Austin are so talented but I think people in Austin are happy with playing local shows all the time and like aren't necessarily I don't know you know (laughs) yeah no I agree and I like I was actually thinking this the other day I was kind of so randomly enough all of my friends from every stage of my life like elementary school middle school high school college all moved to New York (laughs) and I we all moved like a year and a half ago and I look at all my friends now and they're all doing such cool stuff 
like such cool stuff like one of my friends is like gonna start writing for Elle one of my friends is assisting on a Marc Jacobs shoot like one of my friends just put together an amazing gallery opening all of this amazing stuff because this city is just full of people that are creative and collaborative and really like you said just like shooting for the stars and so when you're just around a bunch of people that are doing that it's like I always feel amped up to just like really go for it because everyone in my life is going for it yeah yeah no I I definitely think like that's like what is the most interesting thing about New York and having been someone who like grew up very close to the city and being like I need to leave and like experience something else because this is all I know it's like it's a city that always draws you back because you're like wow (laughs) like okay there's like there's so much here there's so much to explore and discover and like especially when it comes to creative stuff it's like the opportunities are there and willing to be taken if you are trying to take them you know and I Mm -hmm. think like that's always what's so interesting about talking to people who have moved here from somewhere else and like really appreciate the city for what it has to offer musicians because it's like you can really tell that they're like yeah like (laughs) I came here for like the inspiration and the opportunities and I'm taking hold on that and I think that that's what's really interesting just like hearing you talk about all of this and like what was going on in Austin and then moving here and just being like okay I saw like the world was bigger and I wanted to like get a hold on that. I think it's also like just about Austin being so small. I think there's almost this like fear of taking up too much space. Oh, and I think moving yeah. to New York, it's like, oh, wait, I want to take up space. Yeah. And like, that's, <laughs> that's an okay thing to yeah. want. Yeah. No, I fully get that. So going back to your EP that's coming out, was there a specific story that you wanted to tell with this EP? Or does this feel like a project that's more kind of just like chronological, like your experiences? I definitely want to do a project that is narrative because I think that's really interesting and would be really interesting to explore visually. But this one is just more of like, I was, since I moved here, I was just writing songs nonstop. Like I wrote probably like 30 songs that could have been on this EP. And I was just like picking the ones that I liked the most. And (laughs) and that's how it was born. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I love that. I was reading this interview that you did and you were saying about how when you kind of first started making music, you didn't really care about maintaining this boundary between like personal information and public information and like what that meant and blurring the lines on those kind of things. And so now that you're a bit farther on in your career, when it comes to your songwriting, like how do you feel like you're able to be like as raw and emotional as you are in your lyricism without being like, oh, I'm definitely oversharing. Yeah. (laughs) That was like quite the lesson for me to learn. I'm glad it happened early on. Yeah. Um, But I honestly think it's not even about like how personal I am in the lyrics because Mm -hmm. my lyrics I continue to write are like still super personal and super vulnerable and like like I was saying I think authenticity is important and I think sharing that with me with people is important I think it honestly comes down to the way you promote your music Mm -hmm. um because I think like in the past I was writing all these breakup songs and like looking back it almost felt like I was like taking advantage of that situation in Mm -hmm. a selfish way to kind of create a story that people that would like get a lot of views, you know? Yeah. Instead of having more respect for like 
what I'm going through, what another person is going through. And that's definitely been hard for me. I don't know why, but I think (laughs) I'm just like, I don't care what I post on the internet. And so it's hard (laughs) to remember that like some people do care. I'll just like put like, I don't care. But you know, I've learned that that's just like not appropriate to some people and can really hurt people's feelings and that you have to be mindful of that. So I am going forward with that in mind. Everything I post now, like there's so many things I'll post on TikTok or whatever. And then like five minutes later, I'll be like, oh, no, 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 this is too much. I'm doing it again. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll take it back. But, but yeah, I also think with lyrics, it's like, I think with the stage I'm at, I can kind of say anything. But I think if you have a bigger mm-hmm. platform where like someone knows a certain song is about another person. Yeah. I have a lyric that's called, the the lyric is, you play in a band now and sing about doing something sexual. Yeah, yeah. I met someone new and she does more than sing about it. And like, I think if I was, you know, like Taylor Swift and put that out, people would be like, that's kind of (laughs) like too private to share with the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About someone who we know you were just with yeah i I get it it's interesting because like we recently did an interview and the artist was saying how like once he puts the songs out they're not his anymore they're the fans and he's like you guys already listened to my song you know what i went through i want to know what you related to in listening to this and like it's it's a really interesting conversation because i feel like we've had like very similar ones with other artists of kind of the idea of like (laughs) music is up for interpretation and like you put it out there and then people translate it into their own like lived language and like then that's what happens it's interesting just hearing like your story of like understanding your style of lyricism and doing that stuff like do you ever think about that regard like when fans come up to you and like talk about the song where you're like oh okay like they they have been able to like make this their own or are you like oh no it was like still too personal they couldn't this is actually really (laughs) funny that you bring this up because almost like the opposite thing has happened within the last week i've been promoting this song that's going to be on my upcoming ep called Uh by your daughter and i Mm -hmm. wrote it about like preemptively grieving my parents because I love my parents so much and I think about yeah. them dying and it's so scary to me. And yeah. the kind of like last part of this song is a super climactic moment. I'm like kind of yodeling, saying, I will die your daughter, like I will die your daughter over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's spoke I wrote it as like an ode to like I, you know, how much I love my parents, how like even when they're gone, my identity will always be tied to being yeah. a kid. And a lot of people on the internet started like posting the song about like mommy issues and all these kind of like dark things like dark issues with their parents and so I was like okay like this is clearly how people are responding to this so like I'll post some some like quotes about mother-daughter relationships and like navigating that and whatnot even though like Mm -hmm. I wrote this like basically a love song for my parents and I posted some and my mom has been like blowing my phone up the past two days being like why would you say this? Like, I'm, I'm so hurt. Like, you know, like, oh, what? I was like, mom, it's just like a famous quote. Like, it's not about you. Like, that's just how people are resonating with it. Like, that's what people Aww. think lyrics mean. That's not how I intended them to mean. Yeah. Um, it has been really interesting. And yeah, I've had a ton of people come to me about like songs I've written and like telling me like what it means to them and like a mm-hmm. role it's played in their life that is so deeply personal for them but right, also like, yeah. so different from like the experience that the song came from so it's interesting how it's like I can write something from like such a specific 
thing, even like such specific lyrics, and it can mean something completely different, but as personal and specific for somebody else. (laughs) That's so interesting. That's crazy. So in thinking of, you know, we're talking about you caring a lot about the visuals, right? So do you feel like having a visual aspect to your art is just as fulfilling for you as making the music itself? Yeah, I would say so. I think anytime I'm creating something with another person, whatever that may be, nothing makes me happier. Like anytime in a session, even if it's so boring and monotonous, I'm like, this is so fun anytime I'm doing a photo shoot or like doing my makeup for a photo shoot I'm just I'm I'm so excited to be working with other people and just making something that we're all really excited about and I think the visuals just like let me have so much fun with each song and kind Mm -hmm. of exercise a part of my brain that maybe isn't necessarily exercise with making the music and it's also fun because it's like when you finish a song you're kind of like I, I, at least me, I feel like I have to, I like grieve it a little bit. Cause it's like, I'll spend six months working on this song and it's like, okay, it's done. I guess like this huge part of my life is like kind of done. This song's yeah. finished, mm-hmm. but yeah. then I get to continue that and like create a whole world around it for everybody yeah. else to see, which is yeah. super fun. So in thinking of this and kind of us talking about, you know, you stepping into this, like, no, I am an artist and kind of like really owning that. Do you feel like you kind of have an artist persona? Because I know some people will feel like they're kind of like stepping into this bigger version of themselves when they're positioning themselves as an artist. That has been something that I have been trying to understand for a while because Mm -hmm. I would say, yes, I definitely feel like I have an artist persona. And I think most of that comes down to the fact that there is this like very specific world and aesthetic that I want to build around my music that isn't necessarily true to just like how I am in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. And I think at first when I started really playing with, with visuals and like really committing to them, I was like, oh my God, like am I a fraud because... I like don't wear drag makeup every day and because I like don't wear these really insane outfits like out in the street every day. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of like, no, like I just because my artist project has my name, like doesn't mean that we can't be we can't be separate. Yeah. Um, And I think like my artist project has inspired me just like on a personal level and like the way I, I dress when I go out and like the makeup I do just for for dinners and and stuff like that. But I definitely feel like there is some separation, which I think is important for me at yeah. least. No, I de- like I feel like the healthiest way to create art is to kind of be able to separate yourself from like who you are when you're doing that artistry because being an artist is so raw and honest and like it's scary putting yourself out there like that, yeah. especially when you're just starting out and you're playing like smaller venues and doing all that thing because it's so intimate on top of like the music itself already being intimate. So being able to like create kind of like this character, like a bigger version of yourself, whatever you want to refer to it as, like I feel like is so necessary. And like Jenna and I talk a lot about like the the fact that like sometimes you'll go see like newer bands and they like haven't figured that out yet. And it's just like one of those things where it feels like it might be a little exhausting for them because it's like, oh, they're just like them from their real world coming onto the stage and like playing their music. Like, how do you deal with that? And then, like, when people who do stuff like you, where it's, like, clearly there's, like, a vision when it comes to who you step into when you go do your artistry, I feel like you must be able to kind of, like, rest a little bit from that because you separate yourself from it a bit. Yeah, totally. And I also think it's important in terms of, like, for listeners to know, Mm -hmm. because I think 
more and more just with like how much people are sharing everything on social media, people just like have expectations of artists that they shouldn't have, I think, because they forget that like they are people outside of this persona. Um, And I think like part of creating this really drastic visual world around my music is kind of helps in that because it's like this is its own entity almost but yeah it's like you have to have rest from it like my music is is like the biggest part of my life and if I had no boundary drawn between me and like the Susanna Joffe on stage on TikTok on whatever yeah I think I would go crazy yeah yeah Totally get that. Do you feel like when you're approaching the live music setting, do you also want to kind of like make that an experience that like people wouldn't just get by listening to your music online? Totally. I That's another thing that I think has been one of the best parts about moving to New York is I'm a theatrical, I'm a theatrical girl. I love mm-hmm. the drama and I've felt so free and like bringing that to the stage and like bringing in fun elements that are go beyond just like me standing in front of you like playing guitar and singing yeah yeah I saw the photos from your show at heaven can wait and it looked wild (laughs) it was so fun and I was so scared to do it and it was but it was just so freeing because like no one in New York is phased by anything um so I just like (laughs) got I had like fake blood from Halloween and I like hit it in a little bowl on stage and at like the end of my song I'd hate me too which is if you've heard it it's this really just like climactic drums banging me basically screaming kind of like I know the end like Ethel Kane like that kind of yeah yeah uh world is ending vibe and I just like stood on the stage and just like rubbed the blood all over myself and like that song is really about like repenting and so it felt very like like let me bring you into this kind of like 5d exploration of (laughs) of that and really like immerse you in the song which has been so so fun and I can't wait to like keep doing stuff like that but I'm like I'm like coming when I'm doing my Texas tour I'm like can I do that (laughs) I already feel like like shy again coming to Texas because I'm like I think people are gonna be really scared I don't know we'll see (laughs) I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Yeah. So I did find this one thing interesting in reading interviews about you. Because So I'm also Jewish. And so I also get excited when I'm like, oh, I get to talk to somebody about weird Jewish stuff. But like, I can only like, again, like growing up in New York, everybody that I knew was Jewish, like meeting people that weren't Jewish was weird for me. And so reading about like your experience of having this like mixed religious, like background in regards to like your parents coming from two different backgrounds, and your mom's side being kind of more you know, Christian, conservative, Texas kind of like vibes and stuff. I feel like when it comes to music too, like when you come from like a minority background of any sort, whether that's like religion or your sexuality or like your skin color or whatever, like there's kind of this expectation for these like political feelings to like be perceived in your music as well. And like this pressure really, I think not only from listeners but even just like people who perceive you in general to be like oh like you're making political music and it's like why are these things about me political and so like do you feel like these aspects of yourself have shaped who you are as an artist and like had anything to do with like what you put into your music or do you feel like you try and separate them so that way people aren't like pigeonholing you and labeling you as somebody who's like 
oh, like this Jewish singer, oh, this queer singer or anything like that? I think I've kind of tried to find a balance. I think when I first started making music, I was like very much like putting these labels on me because I was like, oh, these like niche audiences will will like care more about me if they know like, mm. I'm, I'm a part of that community as well. And I yeah. think now I'm kind of at a place where like that stuff definitely, I mean, being Jewish, being queer, being from Texas, like those are all parts of my identity. And they're, yeah. they're my music, like one of the songs that I'm working on, like the opening lines is I'm a Jewish girl from Texas. Like, <laughs> and, and it's not like I'm trying to be like, all Jews from Texas listen to me, but it's just like, <laughs> it's just like this, I'm writing a song about myself and like how I experience yeah. the world. And like, that is a big part of my upbringing. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just like finding a balance. And I think all like me being queer, me being Jewish, etc. Like all that finds its way into my music. And even if I'm yeah. not like, spelling it out, it's yeah. it's there. Like I have a lot of songs that like aren't even necessarily notably queer, but I think if you're like paying attention, you can like figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's we're kind of at this I don't know, almost like this crossroads where I think artists are kind of figuring out exactly what you're saying of like, I feel like we went through like an era of like five to like 10 ish years where people were like, no, like I'm a queer artist. Like I'm, we're like a lesbian band or like whatever it is. And like that being the defining label. And then it's like, you get pushback from the industry. It's like, oh, they are a queer band. Like, you know what that means? They can only ever be a queer band or like they have to be a girl band and they can't like do other things because they're a girl band. And so I think like kind of what you're saying is like, I feel like we're people are figuring out that it's like while these identifiers like help build community and help build like identity, it's also kind of figuring out to do how to do so in a way that's like not the only like label you have as an artist. Yeah, I think that, like I said, when I first started making music, I was like, I had also literally just I don't even know if I had come out. I was like still figuring out what was going on, but I was like, I make like gay songs because I like <laughs> really just gotten like dumped for by a girl for the first time, and I re- I like quickly kind of found out kind of harshly. I was like, oh wait, like this is going to limit me a lot. Just like mm. especially on it, like you're saying on an industry level, like yeah. I would have chats with labels and whatnot. They'd be like, oh, we just signed a like a gay girl. Yeah, we can't have like yeah. another. So I was like, yeah. Oh my god. Okay, well, like, I'm more than just uh, like I'm a bi girl actually. So I relate with straight people too. <laughs> um, and I mean, I want to make music for everyone. At the end of the day, I do make music for everyone, and I don't mm-hmm. want to like pigeonhole myself. But yeah, I definitely don't like market myself. I guess as like a queer artist, but I just like exist. I am queer and I'm an artist. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think you're doing a great job at it. And so looking at the year ahead, we know, so you have EP coming out. You have a few Texas shows, as you mentioned. I know you have a show coming out in New York, but looking at the rest of the year, like what do you want to accomplish this year? Oh my God. I literally was writing down all my goals this afternoon. (laughs) Um, I definitely am hoping to play ACL in a year or two like that would be amazing I definitely want to play like other festivals and I think one of my major goals is to do some kind of support tour uh Mm -hmm. around the east and west coast and I really just want to put out more music I think that there's so much like so many rules around like how small artists release singles like how many weeks between like just all of this stuff and I just like have so many songs and I think like I'm I'm growing so rapidly as an artist and everything Mm -hmm. I make I'm like 
oh my god like I want to release this yesterday like I want to share this yeah and then it's like by the time I'm like allowed to release that I'm like I've already grown past that yeah Um, yeah and so I just want to put out music a lot more frequently I want to like put stuff out like every five weeks and I already have like six songs that I'm working on so I I'm really I'm really pumped about this year so for our last question we always like to ask everybody the same thing because as name three songs part of our big thing is that we love to empower fangirls and we think it's very important to celebrate the things we love unapologetically so Susanna what are you a fangirl of I'm a fangirl for Louis Harry for Larry (laughs) (laughs) that is like a really big that since I was Incredible. a kid for like a decade and to this day I'm a Larry I'm a Larry fangirl um I am I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm a Harry Potter fangirl like that's you know, oh, yeah. rolling. I don't claim her but like I will nerd out over Harry Potter that's like my what's it called like my unsuspecting pairing my unique pairing my unique oh, pairing yes. I love I love Harry Potter I don't think anyone <laughs> in the world would ever guess that about me and I will fangirl over it. My other unique pairing, I would say, is or not my unique pairing. My other thing I fangirl, I would say, is dim sum. Is I fangirl oh God, I really hard dim for dim sum. <laughs> like dumplings. In you're, in a, you're in a great city for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Every time my friends and I go out, we reconvene the next morning at dim sum, and it's like my favorite. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's sacred for sure. All right. This has been a lovely chat. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susanna. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I had a great time. It's very cool to see when artists have kind of found their way through their artistry and started to discover more of like a true image for themselves and really start playing with a lot of new different elements. Because even Susanna said this about her own work, like her music in 2020 was wildly different, wildly different than it is now. And the way she was presenting herself as an artist was wildly different. And so it's cool that she's been able to explore different avenues and find an image that really feels like she's doing something that is truly how she wants to be expressing herself. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting how she kind of had to like leave where she came from in order to discover who she was from there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like it was this real thing of like, Oh, she felt kind of like she had to shrink herself when she was living in Austin and then moving to New York. It's like, Oh, I don't have to do that. I can have all of these things that I loved about myself and loved about Texas as part of my imagery and like that doesn't mean that I'm just like a Texas artist it means that I'm an artist for everyone and like it's a bigger image than that and I just think like hearing her talk about that like so passionately and like it was something that really was a true discovery not only within her music but within herself it was just like a really powerful thing to listen to her talk on yeah and I think also the aspect of you know moving to a new city and feeling like you can reinvent yourself and feeling like and being in a place like New York where there's so much going on and so many diverse people of different backgrounds and ways that they're expressing themselves it, it, it kind of lifts the limit on like what you can do and what you can be and I think that's the reason that a lot of people go to New York City for something like that. And so it's cool also to hear her kind of mirroring that exact thought process. So thanks for getting candy with us and Susanna Joffe. This has been Sarah and Jenna from Name Three Songs. And to get your pop culture fix, you can listen to new episodes of Name Three Songs podcast every Wednesday. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.